Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. It is so great to be with you today. And, uh, you know, I love Lighthouse, Lifehouse. Lighthouse, Lifehouse. Could you guys maybe change your name? Not going to happen, is it? Doesn't, it kind of works for us. We're literally, uh, our church is about seven minutes or so from the beach. Uh, sorry to bring that up. But uh, we have two physical lighthouses down the, down the beach there. And so I'm sure my father-in-law, who started Lighthouse, was convinced that that was a good image, that we would somehow, I guess, be a light, be a beacon to people around us. You know, I really am just an accidental leader. I don't consider myself somebody that's um, necessarily got any great talent, but I've been around the life of the church all my life. I've been at Lighthouse for 11, uh, since I was 11 years of age. And as I think I told you last time, married the pastor's daughter, huh? Hey, don't worry about anointing, overrated. (laughs) Marry into the thing, I say. And uh, I think it was either that I married the pastor's daughter or I've been around so long and been involved in so many departments, that was the only one I hadn't served in, senior pastor. So that's why they gave it to me. But we love love this place. We think it's a privilege to partner with you guys. in the way in which we reach into Poland and different parts of Europe. You know, my unique spot there is this idea of community engagement. I never planned to be as often I'm noticed as the community engagement guy. I know that's my national role. But really, it just came out of a passion, really just to see lost people connect to God. And it came out of a greater passion is that I've discovered, and I've, I know I've talked to you a couple of times about this, and I'm not necessarily talking about community, but whenever you get me, you can't not get that. And I want you to know that Australians aren't waking up Sunday morning thinking, what's a great church I can go to? They're not against church. We love church. We know if we could get them here, they'd like it. But the reality is they're not thinking that way. We have a secular nation, and most of them are thinking about, you know, what they're going to eat this morning for brunch and how much they can sleep in after last night and all that sort of thing. So it doesn't mean that we should stop doing great Sundays. It just means that we've got to get better at Mondays. It just means that just like today, that you feel spiritual, and what Dave said was true, that you you should experience heaven in your heart, but heaven in your heart won't diminish tomorrow. Heaven in your heart will be the same equilibrium because it's not a feeling. You don't need your favorite worship song. You don't need your favorite guitarist. You just need to wake up tomorrow and know why you go to work. You, you, have to, you have to actually uh, recognize that the presence of God is not a feeling, it's a knowing. You've just got to know who's in you. And if you could go into your Monday feeling exactly as spiritual as you do today, then we've got a chance at saving our nation. And so I would say to you that your Monday needs a great Sunday, so thank God you're here. We need you here, and we want you to be filled with all that God has But please don't be like most Christians do, which is go to work because they think they have to earn money to pay the rent, to pay the food. What if I said to you, and you're going to hear me say it at least 10 times this morning, what if your work is your mission field? What if if you don't have to spend two grand and go 2,000 kilometers just to share Jesus? What if you just walk across the road? What if you get to know your neighbor? And I want to ask you a question this morning, and I'm getting on a tangent now, so we might as well just keep going. Well, I'm going to ask you this morning, what if you never go on a mission trip? Can you be spiritually fulfilled? Yeah. Well, of course you can. I know you're nodding, but most churches don't believe it. Most churches believe that in order to get you spiritually fulfilled, we've got to send you somewhere. Well, as far as I'm concerned, when I read the Bible, you're already sent. 
You got sent the day you received Jesus in your life. You got stood up, put in and sent out, whether you like it or not. So it's far better just to live like you know who you are and where, you, where you're placed than imagine that you've got to be somewhere else in order to fulfill the purpose of God on your life. We do these, thank God, it's Monday glasses. Our biggest social media day in our church, Red's good, right? Uh, our biggest social media day in our church is Mondays. Because pretty much across the worldwide landscape of social media in churches, what you see is the big Sunday. Coloured lights, smoke machines, big screens, hands raised. There's nothing wrong with that. But then the church goes quiet on Monday. In fact, we have a bit of a joke, you know. I can't see with those on, by the way, because uh, I actually do need glasses. We have a bit of a joke. What we do is we think on Sundays we see all the social media it ramps up and there's coloured lights and there's hands raised. And then Monday, what most churches do is they get on and say, how great was yesterday on Monday? Yeah. And Tuesday, they're like, man, I just, I'm just sitting here reflecting on how great Sunday was. I mean, wasn't that awesome, you know? But the problem is Wednesday's a killer day because you're too far from last Sunday and too far from the next. So you, got, you don't got nothing to say. So Wednesday's really quiet on social media for churches, mostly across Australia. But thank God for Thursday. Because Thursday, we can say only two days ago. Let's count them down. Friday, come on, one more day. Can't wait to get, get there. I mean, we love Sundays, but if we could stop teaching the world that the church is colored light screens and hands raised, and actually the church is doing something Monday to Saturday. It's actually active, involved. So we go into our community on Mondays. These are becoming famous in our city. We go into our community, and we find people that love their work on Mondays. And we give them a pair of glasses and say, could we just photograph you for our social media? Our focus on Mondays is to find everybody that loves their job. Wow. And right across our community, people want to be photographed with their red glasses on because everybody, even non-Christians, should go to work with a sense of purpose yeah. on their life. I've got to stop because I'm going down the wrong path. Two with me to 2 Kings 13, quick. Who knows pastors can just waffle on. Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah, it's good. In my day, that was a demon, but anyway. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> 2 Kings 13. I love weird scripture. So as always, I love to preach from a weird scripture. Let's go. Then Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring, annual event, something to look forward to. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and they fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Oh my goodness me. What on earth? I mean, it, there must be a reason that's been put in the Bible. There must be a lesson that we can learn. And I guess so you could preach it this way. There's always different ways you can preach things. We could preach it this way this morning. I'm not, but we could. We could say, you ought to live your life so full of God that when you die, there's still fullness in you. We could preach that, but we're not, because it's wrong. <laughs> you know, this is an incredibly weird story. A man dies, he falls literally on the body of Elisha that's been there, who knows how long. He falls on the body. His mates, who couldn't care less because they're scared, have already run off. He instantly comes alive, and then he walks out of his own funeral. That'd be pretty cool. You'd be able to do that. I dare you. And so here we have a situation where 
So much of church life, so much of leadership life, and I'm the senior pastor of a church, one of the reasons I can challenge church culture, I believe, is because I don't have a chip on my shoulder about church like some ex-pastors do or people that used to attend church. I literally senior pastor of church. I love the church, but I, want, I don't want to leave it where it is. I want to push it. I want to prickle the nest. I want to get you off that little comfy thing you got there, and I want you to get you out there. And so this, this here is a, a message that is reminding us that we're really not here now that we're saved to accumulate more things. See, there's something weird about this. The weird thing about this scripture is that the problem with Elisha was he died before he got everything that was in him out of him. And I want to speak to you today in terms of kingdom come. I, I want to speak to you how we ought to live full and die empty. And here we are, we think the goal of the Christian life is to just keep filling up, keep filling up. If I could just know God more, have more of something, surely I could reach my friends if I was just more anointed, more, more blessed, more this, more that. And there's this thought that I just need more, but I want to suggest to you the goal of Christianity is to empty yourself out, is to get what's in here out. And the problem for that generation was this, that they had the enemy... King Johash, by the way, who was leading the city, I want you to know something about King Johash. He was a doofus. Because every year he let the enemy, every spring, come into his city and pillage and destroy and kill his people annually. And if he was a decent sort of king, he would have at least, because he knows it's coming, he would have at least got himself ready, raised an up, up an army. And here's the thought. Elisha died within that city with something on his life that that city needed. And if he could have got out of him what was in him for that generation, who knows they wouldn't have been getting the annual visit from the enemy. Who knows that something inside of him, powerful enough to wake another dead man up, was in him. And I want you to know this morning, if you could know that you're already full and the goal is to get out of you what's in you and put it into others. The goal is not to fill up more. So King Johash, who clearly can't lead, and Elisha, who has clearly retained too much power that he should have passed on, most people would preach live full, die full. I want to preach live full, I want to die empty. I'm telling you, you don't need more talents on top of your already talented person. You don't need more gifts nor anointing. Listen to me, you don't need to go to that conference and you don't need that guy to lay hands on you. I want you to know, I know, you, th you think today, thank God we've got a guest speaker because if I can just get Paul to lay hands on me and pray for me, I'm sure I'll get what I need to reach my friends. I'm sure I'll get what I need to make a difference. The reality is, you know, if we can get Paul to pray, because Lord knows the everyday pastors that we have to have every week, they're not that anointed. So bring the anointed guy in and if he can pass on something to you. And so there's this mentality that we really can't reach people until we've got more. I want to say again, you've al you're already full. It's already in you, but we've convinced ourselves that we need more before we can. But there's nothing more you need. You receive the fullness of Christ in your life. 
And he was able to do things, and his spirit and his power is upon your life. I'm telling you, you don't need more theology or more conferences or just another word from God. Are those things good? They're fine. You know, if you've read my book, uh, Thank God It's Monday, you know I use the analogy of the cruise boat versus rescue boat. I'm sure I've preached it here somewhere. And I use the example of when I first got on the cruise boat in this massive palatial thing, one of the first things they do is give us these big yellow life jackets and literally 4,000 people, I'm sitting next to a golden stair, mind you, with a yellow life jacket on, there is minimal chance I'm going to die from sinking. Minimal chance. Yet here we are, everybody, dry and safe, practicing how to be more safe. And I want to suggest to you today that sometimes church life can be more about we need to do more things to feel more safe, to feel more saved, when actually you've already, you're safe, buddy. You're already going to heaven. You've already received what you need. You don't need to, there's no more coming. It's already upon you. I think if you could just get a, if just a fraction of what is on your life into the people around you. If just a little bit of it could just leak out or spill out of you, the difference it would make in. I don't want to die knowing that there was something I had for my city and I didn't give it. There was something I had for my friends and I didn't, I just, I kept telling myself it's not enough, it's not enough. You know, I brought this jug in today in the pool. There's no small people having baptisms or anything this morning either, just out of that, just quietly. I bought this because most Christians think that what I really need is, see, that's why I brought it, is most Christians really pretty much live their life this way and you're convincing yourself that actually if I could just have more, but the reason you don't experience more is because you can't put more into four. You're already clogged out. In fact, I tell you what God is looking for. He's looking for that. I see this here. Listen to me. God is attracted to emptiness. We think God is attracted to fullness. The Bible says that in Genesis, at the beginning of time, when God was thinking about the earth, it says that the earth was void, dark, and empty. And what? And the Holy Spirit brewed over it. The Holy Spirit is not attracted to people that are constantly full. The Holy Spirit is attracted to people who empty out and need to be full. And you empty out by giving what is upon you into others. I have a TV ministry, did you know? Every pastor wants a TV ministry. You can see my TV ministry anytime while you're watching Fox Sport and the NBL. You know, I've said to you before that I'm the chaplain for the Hawks basketball team. Just quietly, I need to go there for a moment. It's an important time. Sorry about Melbourne. Not that sorry. You didn't make it. We beat you soundly several times. But my team's in the grand final right now. In fact, today, we play the third game of five-game series in Perth. Which probably means we're going to be flogged. I just realised that might be on recorded. If the Hawks are listening, I'm joking, of course. But for 12 years as chaplain, my number one role is to wipe up sweat. I fill drink bottles and I wipe up sweat. You can watch me anytime live on Fox. I just stand when timeouts on and I'm just standing there and I'm filling 
drink bottles. Most people are looking for a stage. You should be looking for a towel. If you truly want to reach your community, I'm telling you, very few get this, and most Aussies aren't coming. So don't, don't be enamoured by this. Don't make this the pursuit of your heart. Pursue a towel. Find somewhere to serve. And then when you get there, don't look for a promotion. Just keep doing it. Keep serving. The reason that team will have me, three years ago, the, the new manager sacked every volunteer in the whole organisation. That's the kind of guy he was. But the players defended my role and said, we want the Rev, you can't have him. And they stood up for me, and it's not because they ever hear me preach, it's not that they're listening to my podcast, they haven't read my book, it's because week in and week out, I serve them with a towel. Don't get confused with ministry and effect and what we do. Have you ever wondered why all that possibility was locked up in Elijah's bones? I mean, he's gone, he's gone up to be with the Lord, yet all this power is in his bones. Well, I'll tell you why. Because what God gives you on earth is not meant to go with you. Whatever's been given to you, your talent, your gifting, your anointing, whatever is on you, you're not supposed to take it with you. You're supposed to desperately find ways to get it out of you. And the problem for us is not is not that we need more. The problem is we just haven't learned to get it out. The destination of all fullness is emptiness. In 2 Kings 4, uh, let me read this story to you. One day the widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elisha and cried, uh, cried out, my husband who served you is dead, bit of a theme in the Bible, deadness, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as a slave. What can I do to help? Elijah asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except... Now, so I don't forget, let me come back to that later, will you? Nothing at all except... Except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbours, and then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. And so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after the other, and soon every container was full to the brim. Watch this. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the oil stopped flowing. The moment emptiness finished, so did the oil. You know, it's interesting. Let me go back to it because I don't want to forget. The moment she was asked, what, what do you have? Her thought, like we do, immediately said, I have nothing except. I want you to know that God uses your except. It's your except that he's looking for. But God, I couldn't possibly help except all I have is half an hour to go to the hospital. Great, except go. God, I couldn't possibly do anything. I have nothing. All I except, God, I have a mower. Go mow their lawn. Except it is your except that God is looking at. You think you have nothing, but I guarantee you, you have an except. And so the emptiness is the key. So come to get, come close. Come. Thank you. Oh, very lean in. I think I spoke on that last time I was here. I've got to come down. I won't get back up. We think that 
emptiness is bad. So when an opportunity comes, something in you says, oh, I've got nothing. Thank God. Because it's your very emptiness. It's your very lack. It's your low level of skill that you feel you have. It's your inability that you think you have to do anything that makes what God's about to do through you magnificent. And if you could recognize... By the way, if you haven't noticed, I'm 10 kilos lighter. 10 kilos, people. Talk about emptying yourself. Sounds a bit gross. And so if I know that God is attracted to empty, I am in no fear tomorrow. When I walk around my community and meet people, we own two cafes ourselves in two of our locations, cafe restaurants. I don't go there often. They're already saved. I go to my local cafe, I get to know them, and I sit with them, and I intentionally use my midweek to connect with people that would never connect with me or care about whether who I am or what I've done. And I constantly drive myself towards people who are also empty, but for different reasons. You know there are empty places in your city. Did you know there are empty places in your suburb? And we often don't, don't want to go to those empty places because we don't understand what they're going through. We don't want to go to those empty places because we see it's high need, too difficult. What could I possibly add? But I have found, as we have engaged our community at so many levels, that that is where the Holy Spirit is. He hovers over the empty, broken vessels in our city. And we talk so much about we've got to get here to get the Holy Spirit, but I have found the Holy Spirit thick and flowing amongst lost people. He hangs out around empty places. You ever got a one of those letters in the mail from the post office because, you know, they drop by to give you a parcel and you weren't home. And they give you a little card and it says, could you please come down and pick up the package? We missed you. Now, I want you to know, God is telling Lifehouse, I dropped by and I've got this package called Melbourne and I want you to come down and pick it up. I've got this suburb called whatever you street you live in. I've got this street, you name it, you live there. And I dropped in. You weren't there, but I need you to come get it. Because nobody else is. And I want you to know that Jesus knew something about water, about fullness. When Jesus in John chapter 4 sits at a well... Not accidentally, like it would, would appear so, 
but he sits strategically, strategically at a well because he knows this. He knows that a whole bunch of people who can live without all sorts of things, he knows that at some point when they're empty, they will come to be filled. So he sits there on the edge of the thing. The disciples have gone to be filled on other things. He's sitting there, and you know the Samaritan woman walks up and she comes for something natural, but she leaves with something supernatural, right? So here's the thing. I'm going to mess with you. you go to, you've got a business. You go to school, TAFE, work, whatever you do. What if instead of going to work to earn money, what if you go to work to build a well? What, what if, see, the kingdom of God will fail in Australia for two reasons. Number one, Christians don't know who they are. Number two, they don't realize that what they do on Monday is their mission field. You're, you, nobody ever says it, but just at the back of your mind, you're constantly thinking, I wonder, what, wonder where God's using me. I wonder what I'm going to do. Yet you turn up to it five days a week. You've been going to it for years. The kingdom of God will only come when Christians know who they are and they become well diggers across the nation. I don't know what I shared it last time, but Wayne, one of my business guys, I might have even showed a video, I don't know, but let me tell it anyway. Wayne, by getting onto this, thank God it's Monday thought, decided to trade, he sells furniture, beds, doesn't sound very spiritual. He got on the idea, what if, what if my business is a well? So you know what he does? He trained his floor staff that when somebody comes in, oh, I'm just here to buy a new bed, because oh man, my back, man. He's trained his staff to say, hey, listen, we're Christians. And if it's okay with you, just quietly, nothing weird, if it's okay with you, we're going to sell you a bed, but could we just pray for you today that God would heal your back? Yeah. And then he's trained his truck drivers, people, truck drivers. Like, that doesn't sound very spiritual at all. Sorry if you're a truck driver. But it's because we've labeled jobs as spiritual. Certain jobs, mine's the most spiritual. If only we could do Paul's job, top of the ladder. Truck driver, he's way down. The only way the truck driver can feel spiritual is if he has a Bible study with his truck driving mate during the day. Got to bring something from the high level down to the low level. Nothing wrong with a Bible study during the day. Just don't do it to feel spiritual. So anyway, truck drivers, they turn up at the house. They're listening to the people complaining about their finances, their mother-in-law, whatever it is. And he's trained the truck driver to say, hey, we're Christians. And I just heard you. Would, you, would it be okay before we leave today could we pray with you? It wasn't a worship song. Darlene wasn't singing. Because they have taught themselves that they are spiritual. And it doesn't require smoking lights. And you can be who you are right where you are. Last scripture, then we're done. 2 Kings 13. It still goes on to be bizarre. When Elisha, basically, he's going to die. He knows it. When Elisha was in his last illness, he's coughing, he's spluttering. King Joash, the doofus of Israel, visited him, wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, this is, this, I'll tell you what this is, what we're about to read. This is Elisha 
attempting to get all that's in him out. He's, trying to, he's about to try and get, he's about to anoint this guy's hands and anoint this guy's arrows. Watch, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. And Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hand. So he's still trying to push it out. And then he commanded, open the eastern window. Lots of detail. He opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot the arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow. So this is a symbol now of how you're going to win the battle. This is a symbol. This is the Lord's arrow and the arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arameans. Stay with me. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows, strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. Well, that seems weird. Why? You should have struck the ground five or six times instead of the three little ones you did. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed, and now you'll be victorious only three times. Here's what he's saying. Elisha was saying, listen, you had the opportunity to take the last of what I had. And you took it and you were embarrassed that I asked you to do something strange with what you had. And because you were embarrassed about it, you didn't quite believe what it is was in your hand. What you did was you just gave a little embarrassed tap three times, not knowing that what I was showing you was what you, how you obey me is how you will be victorious. So you did it a measly three times, not knowing if you could have taken it five or six times, your victory would have been greater. Here's my point. What you have in your hand is not nothing. It's something. It's something. And if you could learn to do with the something that that, the church culture tells you is insignificant, unspiritual. I told Richard and Helen last night, as a community engagement guy, most of my life is filled with lost people in practical ways. Christians tell me I'm unspiritual and non-Christians think I have an agenda just to win them to the Lord. So So here's what you have to battle. What you have in certain culture doesn't look spiritual, but I'm here to tell you, it is. It is what you have. Just like the keyboardist and the drummer and the guitarist are gifted. And it looks obvious because they're holding something in context of a church. So too what you hold tomorrow in your hand that is the same instrument that we see on stage, but it looks different, is God's instrument. And you should never just take it for granted. God couldn't do anything when actually it's the key to victory. It's not just a business. It's not just a school. It's not just a university. It's not just a prayer. It's not just a coffee. It's not just a church. It means something. It's important to God. And it holds the victory to our nation. Jesus was the ultimate emptier. He emptied himself by getting beaten nearly to death by carrying a cross to Calvary. And then when he's at, he got nailed through his hands and his feet. And surely that would be enough 
and a prisoner next to him starts a conversation. But Jesus isn't empty yet. And he turns to this man and he empties what little he has and says, today you'll be remembered in paradise. And then he still, he's not done. He looks at his mother and he looks at John. And he says, John, behold your mother. What's he saying? John, look after my mum. Take care of her. Empty. I want you to know that Jesus emptied his life for you so that you could be filled with his life. And you have chosen a great day to be here. You are one of the very few Australians that managed to get themselves to a place that we call church. And what you have discovered today, which by the way, people can discover through you during the week, but we're talking about now, is you've discovered that the gospel, Jesus dying on a cross, somebody being emptied for you, gives a gateway or a doorway for you to be filled. I had this thought this morning when we're singing about sin. I, I just have silly thoughts. I was thinking how wonderfully we were singing about sin. But then I had the thought, what if we mentioned the sins when we sang? <laughs> you know, like this is, Lord, my sin is great, but you are greater. What if it went, Lord, I lied this week. I saw pornography, I stole from somebody. What if we listed the sin? The same principle is the same. But what I'm saying is you, I want you to know that Jesus, all that muck, that piled up junk, that regret, that shame, the filth that is our life, Jesus took it upon himself and said, if you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. About what Jesus said in John 7. You'll have rivers of living water. You will never thirst again. Hi, I'm Richard Kabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. We hope that this has made a difference in your world. Please subscribe, share and rate this podcast so it can better make a difference in the lives of others.